So I titled the message today, Abiding in God and Loving God and Others. And in my title, there's kind of three main points here. Uh, The first one being abiding in God. You could say dwelling in God or living in God is another way to say it. And then loving God and others. I wanted to, I gave this message in February on these verses right here. I don't know if any of you are here, but I'd like to read those through. This is kind of sets up our message for today because our message today is going to do verses 13 through 21. And so I thought it would be good for me to read this. And I was struck by the different persons in the Trinity that are involved in the message today and including in this text. And so uh, because we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today, I wanted to uh, just uh, also highlight some about the Trinity and the Holy Spirit. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Another way you could say is he made personal atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And so because we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, I thought it would be good for us to have this from the statement of faith about the Trinity. And my goal would be, after a message like this, that we could understand our God more, worship Him more fully, and hopefully this uh, leads us to see our God in maybe a a little different way than we had before and uh, to bring about more worship. We believe and teach that there is only one true living and sovereign God who is the creator, sustainer, and supreme ruler over heaven and earth. This infinite and self-sufficient God is absolutely perfect in character and work, and is therefore infinitely worthy of all praise and honor forever. God has eternally existed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three persons, thus united in joyous fellowship, are co-equal in their essential nature, attributes, and perfections. Yet each has a distinct but harmonious office in the work of creation, providence, and redemption. And it's, it's good to, to picture before the world was created, there was perfect love and it says uh, joyous, um, where, where was that? Uh, joyous fellowship in the Trinity before even any of us or any of the world was created. And because love doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes out of from the, from the Trinity, from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to note that. And so this, this is the last verse from my last message. 
And uh, I wanted to use this to kind of uh, cue up today's message. And it says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And if you have a bulletin, you can follow along and use that. But the two main points today, we're going to be talking about God abiding in us. That's his verse 13 through 16. And then his love being perfected in us. And that's verses 17 through 21. So the first part of our message is about uh, God abiding in us. And this is, I'll read uh, these four verses from our text, and then after that we'll go verse by verse. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And I was struck in these four verses, uh, the word abide is mentioned five times. And so we see um, this is a, a main point of, this, of these verses, and we're going to be talking ab- about that a lot in this message. The very first verse that we have today is, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And so... The ESV Study Bible had this statement to say about that verse, and I want to use that to kind of get us started here. The presence and activity of the Holy Spirit within Christians are evidence that they are abiding in God. And so the natural question for all of us today is, do you have evidence of the Holy Spirit living in you? And this is uh, a good question, and we will dig into this more, but... I'm hoping that all of you would say, yes, I have evidence. And you'll see more what we're talking about as we go along here, what that evidence is. And because we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this is also from our statement of faith from the church here. And I thought it was good for us to read this on the Holy Spirit. We believe and teach that the Holy Spirit is fully God, co-equal with the Father and the Son, eternal and of the same essence. He was active in the creation of the world, the incarnation of Christ, and the writing of the Holy Scripture. He continues to be personally active in the work of salvation. This is partly where we're heading today in our message. Accomplishing all the divine will and glorifying the Father and the Son. God the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and is the divine and sovereign agent in regeneration. Baptizing, that is, placing all believers into the body of Christ, the church. The Holy Spirit permanently dwells in all believers from the moment of salvation, illuminating and teaching them the truth of God's word, gifting and empowering them for the building up of the church, and sealing and sanctifying them until the day of redemption. All believers are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, giving clear evidence of a Spirit-controlled life. So here we have again that we need to have the Holy Spirit in us, and that is evidence of, uh, that's important that we see that evidence. 
And this uh, verse here, um, I'll read this first. Uh, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And after studying this message, uh, I was down by the river fishing, and the wind was blowing hard that day, and it just struck me that um, I was getting a kind of an example of, uh, I couldn't see the wind, but I could see its effects. And the branches were going back and forth, and the leaves were falling. And so it is with the Spirit. We don't see the Spirit, but we see the effects. And so each of us will hopefully after today's message say, yes, I have the effects of the Spirit in my life. This is verse 14, so this is our next verse. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. <clears throat> of course, this was especially true of, of the Apostle John and the other apostles who got to see Jesus directly, and they testified that God the Father had sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. But we, as well, through the eyes of faith, can make this statement that we have seen we have seen God, and we testify that He sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. The word Savior, interestingly, is only mentioned one other time in John's writing, in John 4, verse 42. And it's an important word because sometimes in the world today, they will say that Jesus was a good teacher or He was a good example for us, but they don't point out that He is the Savior of the world. And we know that that means more than a good teacher, right? That means, number one, we needed saving, right? And so it goes, begs the question, why do we need saving, right? And so it, it goes uh, to give a fuller gospel message that we are sinners. We are destined for hell without Jesus. And so we need a Savior, and so hopefully all of you would agree with me that you need a Savior. And that's an important point for all of us to, to realize. This verse also makes clear that about the Holy Spirit and evidence. It says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm hoping everyone here would be able to say today that Jesus is Lord and that includes being Lord of my life right we need to acknowledge that um, we are giving we we want God to control us we want to live according to his word we want him to be the Lord of our lives and we want to put away or kill any sin that he says in his word this is not for us as believers and so that's important to uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit. Are you one who testifies that Jesus is Lord of your life? In Ephesians, we read this, and I wanted to just bring this out just to uh, talk a little bit about that as sinners, we are spiritually dead and we cannot come to God on our own. And the scripture reads, And you were dead in trespasses, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, 
made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so this is also a, a work of the Holy Spirit to make us alive. And so this is more evidence of the Holy Spirit. And then I wanted to talk a little bit more about this uh, phrase, we have seen and testify. And I just would encourage us to uh, put into words your faith, to verbalize it. And oftentimes as parents, we're, when we have children growing up, we're encouraged to talk to our kids about the Lord. And I, I think that sometimes as adults, maybe we don't talk about it enough. And I would just encourage all of us to talk about it. Talk about it with people around you. I talk about it with sometimes my coworkers or my son and, and, and my wife. Just different examples of how God worked in my life you know, that day. And so I think that it's just important to testify. We know that in baptism, uh, I had here also de the definition of testify is to declare, to declare publicly or make known. And so I think that's what I'm, I'm wanting to, to hear. And I've noticed it if I visit somebody who's sick, like in the hospital or something, I'm longing and looking for those words that they're trusting in Jesus. And I want to encourage that. And so, but it helps to hear that from them themselves, that they are trusting in Jesus. And one, one thought uh, I remember this story that uh, John Piper had in his book about uh, people, you know, testifying. Let's say you have a testimony and you say, well, it's not that exciting. Well, the reality is, is anytime God brings somebody to life, that's, that's spectacular. That's exciting. And we would say with Lazarus, when he was raised from the dead, you know, if we were to witness that, our jaws would be on the floor and we would be totally blown away. But so it is with everyone who is saved. And it doesn't, you don't have to have a long criminal record, let's say, to uh, be one to uh, say, now I have a, a spectacular testimony. You have a spectacular testimony. If Jesus has forgiven you, then you have something to say. And so I would just encourage all of us to, to, uh, to use your mouth at times to share with others. And we do it in ways like when we sing in church, we're singing about Jesus. And so I think that we do it. Uh, I know in, in the men's Bible study in different ways, you know, we also testify. But I think it's a, it's a good practice to get into um, in the body and even uh, for those of us uh, within our sphere of influence. Then uh, this verse is our next verse, 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And I was trying to look up to see kind of the difference between testify and confesses. And I found this uh, in, in uh, my studies. Whoever agrees with Scripture that Jesus is the Son of God. So this is another way of... Uh, looking at the word uh, confesses. And so this is uh, hopefully something that's evident in your life that you agree 
with the Scriptures that Jesus is the Son of God. Not just a good teacher, remember? Uh, we don't want to just uh, say, or oh, he was a good example, but he was uh, literally God and the Son of God, uh, God in the flesh. So we have come, this is the next verse, the first part of it. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And I was kind of struck by the way this was written. um, That to me, I'm believing from the way it's written that we can grow in our knowledge and that we can grow in our trust. Okay, And maybe you can look back in your own life and you can see how you've progressed in, let's say, the last five years or ten years. And I know that we, there is a moment where we pass from death to life when God saves us, and so I still would acknowledge that. But I think that um, there is a, also a growing and maturing that uh, we come to uh, a stronger faith and, uh, and, a, and a deeper love for God. The second part of that verse is God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about God is love. And so I have two quotes just to help explain what that is or what that means that God is love because we don't want to get our definition of love from the world, right? We know that the world is messed up and they are very confused on what love is and what love isn't. And this was a quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. All I know is that God, in the essence of his nature and being, is love. And you cannot think of God and must not think of him except in terms of love. Everything that God is and does is colored by this. All God's actions have this aspect of love in them. I have one more quote about God's love. God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. This definition understands love as self-giving for the benefit of others. And another thing, important thing to remember is we're trying to model our love after God's love, right? And so when we read this, we should be thinking of this is what it means when I love other people, right? that I would uh, give of myself for others. And uh, it's self-giving for the benefit of others. This uh, is a very familiar text. And I'll just stop at the beginning there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so if we're looking for evidence that the Holy Spirit is living in you today, uh, is, is there love in you for God and for other people? This is, a, is, is the fruit of the Spirit. So naturally, this should be evident in our lives. This was a quote about these first four verses that I thought helped kind of summarize up what we're talking about, how the Spirit's involved. And it reads, For it is the divine indwelling which alone makes possible both belief and love. Without the Holy Spirit, our minds are dark, and our hearts are cold. Only the Holy Spirit can enlighten our minds to believe in Jesus and warm our hearts to love God and each other. So believing and loving are evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work within us. And so 
hopefully you're beginning to get an understanding of, of uh, yes, if the Holy Spirit is in you. And uh, believing and loving are evidence of that. <clears throat> and now we're moving on to talking about our growing love for God. And we'll talk the last part of the message about loving others. But the first part is about loving God. <clears throat> and the beginning of uh, this next verse here, 17, it says, By this is love perfected. And it's referring back to the previous verse, which read, By abiding in God and God abiding in us. This is how our love is perfected. So we can't, we're not to do it on our own, in a sense, but we need to have this abiding in God and, and we're, He in us and we in Him in order to have our love perfected. So by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. <clears throat> so I wanted to spend some time a little bit talking about uh, the confidence that we can have. And it's important uh, to have confidence when it comes to judgment day. Unshrinking confidence. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And when I picked this verse, um, I was almost tempted to stop uh, where the colon is there, but I felt, no, we need to see the other part too. And I, I think we always need to remember that God is not mocked in the sense that we can't just say, uh, I believe in the Son, that's... I know I have eternal life and it doesn't matter how I live. I can disregard the word of God. I can disregard his commands. And that, that is uh, something that we need to be warned about. If we have that attitude, then we are not a believer, but we are disregarding this command that we need to obey. We'll talk a little more about that as we go along here. <clears throat> And this next part of the verse is, is just kind of confirms this same thought is because as he is, so uh, we are also in this world. And this is important to think about because um, if we are like Jesus, we should have confidence. We can have confidence. But if we are the opposite of Jesus, uh, how, how could we have confidence in that, that we are in him and he in us? This verse I thought of, and behold, a voice from heaven said, it is my uh, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And so this thought of, of pleasing God is important. And I think that we as Christians should be able to uh, have as we walk through this world, we should be able to have this uh, thought that God is pleased with us. And that doesn't mean that we are living in a perfect, that we are living perfectly, but it means that we are striving to do what he says, and we confess our sin when we sin and fall short. And so this is a, a journey that we can have confidence that God will be pleased with us if we live and follow like his son. 
And this was an interesting verse um, talking about fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And it's important when we talk about fear, because the Bible sometimes talks about fear, and there's, a, in a sense, a good kind of fear, which is uh, a reverence and awe for God, and, and including obedience. But it's important to, as a believer, we're not to fear eternal punishment, okay? We're not to fear the wrath of God. And for the unbeliever, it's, it's right to fear and to have um, concern over where you're heading. But for the believer, we don't, we don't fear. And it, and it explains it there, for fear has to do with punishment. And, and one thought, other thought I had is uh, perfect love casts out fear. And I think that None of us would say, you know, our love is perfect. And so it's good for us to uh, grow in our, our love for the Lord and, and growing and walking in obedience. And, and we are not to, uh, none of us will achieve perfection on this earth, but we should be striving to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. I, I put this slide in because it is good for us to remember to leave room for God's discipline, right? So we know that we don't fear the wrath of God in eternal punishment, but God disciplines his children, and this verse makes that plain. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. And so... If you are, in a sense, being disciplined by the Lord now, or if you uh, have that in your future because of something you've done, maybe a sin, then it's good to acknowledge that it's actually a sign that you are a son if you're being disciplined. That's, so that should be a good way of looking at the Lord's discipline. And it's for our good, right? God wants to bring us back to him and bring us back on the right path if we, if we sin and get off the, the path of life. Verse 19 is a short verse. It says, we love because he first loved us. And it's good for us to remember that uh, God's love is primary and all true love is in response to his initiative. It was God's perfect an eternal love that first sovereignly drew believers to him, thus enabling them to reflect his love to others. And so we always want to acknowledge uh, where our love comes from. It comes from God. And now the last part of the message, we're going to be talking about loving others. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And I was struck by the word hate. And this scripture, this, these verses are really talking about love in the body, right? And if I use the word hate, I, you know, it's hard for me to think of hating somebody in the body. And that's a very strong word. But I, 
as I thought about it, um, I looked it up in the dictionary. Another word you could use is animosity. But as I thought about it, the thing that we should, I think, be on guard for is letting uh, bitterness or anger take root. And so if I offended Scott and he um, over, you know, and it didn't get dealt with, and then maybe the next time I did something, I slighted him in some way, or then, uh, you know, it would, be, it, would, it would start to dig in and, and get deeper. And I think this is what we need to be on guard on uh, for in the body, is don't uh, allow an irritation or something to, to go unchecked, right? I think it's better to either talk to that person and that I could say, Scott, you said this, and uh, I don't know if you meant this, but this is how I took it. And there's ways to humbly go to someone and say something like that to try to, to get it nip in the bud early, right? And so I think that the reality is uh, we have to be on guard to not let uh, hatred uh, toward each other. And the opposite of that, of course, is love. And so we'll be talking about not hating uh, for he who does not love his brother. Whom he, yeah, that was an interesting thought is obviously if Scott's in my opportunity to love, he's right in front of me. And if I don't love him, it's, it's pretty uh, false uh, for me to say, yes, I love God, but I don't love a brother who's right in front of me. Here's my opportunity. Let's uh, look at the next. This is our last verse here today. And it says, This commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And so not only are we not to hate, but we are to love. And so we have uh, action that we need to take. And I, I want to use this text here to close out uh, just trying to put application now to loving others. And I found this, this to be very helpful. It says, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. So Jesus is our example, right? And we ought to lay down our lives for our brother. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And this has uh, struck me that <clears throat> if we have the world's goods, we could say if we have uh, material possessions. And I was struck by if, if a brother, and we're talking about in the body of Christ primarily, if a brother in this body has a need, um, how would you not meet that need? You'd have to close your heart in a sense. I think that's the reality of it, Right. And we are, we are to have uh, open hearts and soft hearts, I think. And so it's good for us to, uh, to be involved in meeting the needs of people in the body. And we do have a benevolent fund is one way to meet the needs of people. But we can meet the needs directly as well. And uh, I think most of us would fit in that category of having material possessions or having the world's goods. And so I think we need to be on guard for that. And obviously it's easy for me to just talk and say things like this, but it's 
to put it into practice and to, do, and to uh, put it into action, I think is what we're called to do. I tried to come up with some examples of ways to love each other in the body. And there are, you know, hundreds of examples, but um, we're all different. So that my example where what something I might do, you'd say, well, I wouldn't do that. And, and God made you unique. And so there are different ways to love. But these are some of the thoughts uh, that I just want to put out to you. Sometimes a visit is a way to love somebody. Uh, you could give them a call or a text or a hug. Um, there's a lot to communicate when we, when we converse or talk with each other. Sometimes a hand on the shoulder or uh, sometimes when I pray with somebody in the hospital, I'll hold their hand. Um, just it's, it's a different ways of communicating love. And um, the other thing I haven't talked about is uh, the importance of speaking the truth. That is really what included is in love, is speaking the truth, right? And I think it's just good to uh, think about how we speak the truth, right? Because uh, I, as I was studying for this message, I received a phone call from somebody who was looking for the phone number of my brother, and, and she was, I knew the family history, and she was telling me how her father-in-law, they had you know, a large family, and when the kids were maybe dating or something, uh, he told some of his, uh, who her kids were dating, he told them they were going to hell. And we know that if you reject Jesus and you rebel against him and you live that way till the end of your life, that's a true statement. But uh, to me, I was shocked, you know, how harsh that is to say it like that if you don't include a lot more than that. And so I think that, you know, if I thought sometimes from my own life or my own example, I could share that I was on the road to hell. And I, uh, Jesus rescued me. Jesus saved me. And I could explain how that takes place through the blood of Christ and through the confession of my sins. <clears throat> so I would just say that's a category in the body that's important. And I appreciate when people in love come talk to me and, and tell me the truth. And, but yet we just need to be gracious in how we do it. And, and, uh, and a lot of it helps if you have a relationship as well, right? If, uh, like Alex, if I know him to be a, a good friend and a, and a loving person, uh, then I wouldn't expect him you know, to do something to harm me. I would expect him to do something to help me, right? And so I think it's good to have those kind of relationships in the body where you know somebody. <clears throat> and uh, I was thinking of one other example that touches my heart when I share this. Uh, Charlotte Rise is, today she was moving to the in-care hospice facility, and a lot of you don't know her because... Um, we had COVID, and she was, she's been on oxygen for a long time. <clears throat> but when I visited her, I had a precious visit with her, and I, I was just thankful. She's uh, going to go home to be with the Lord soon. <clears throat> but I'm losing my voice. 
but uh, it's probably good because I'm about done. <laughs> and you guys are probably ready to be done. But, uh, but I will just say, at the end of my visit with her, after sharing some scripture and praying with her, I felt the need to communicate my love to her. And because we had a relationship, and she, I believe, trusted, loves me, and I love her, I gave her a hug. She was laying down on her bed, and I laid my head against hers, and I gave her a kiss on the cheek. And, you know, we don't often express that, and I wouldn't recommend that for everybody, because <laughs> you better, you know, hopefully that person is, would receive that well. But to me, I wanted to express my love for her, and, and I was privileged to be able to do that. And I share it like this with people. My mom, who's 93, who was in the first service, that's how I treat my mom. I give my mom a kiss when I greet her. And so I would just say, uh, let's have this kind of love in the body, right? Um, I, was, I talked about Justin in the first service. Justin gives the best hugs. And <clears throat> we're not all huggers, right? But that's okay. I love to get a hug from Justin. But <clears throat> so we don't all have to say, well, I got to be a hugger. But find ways to communicate your love for each other in the body. And that's, that's really my, uh, my message of application. Let's close in prayer now. <clears throat> oh, God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the evidence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you live in us. Thank you for that, uh, just to know that, yes, you are living in us because we say you are Lord and we live that way, that you are Lord of our lives. Help us also to have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, that we have love and so that would be a clear evidence that you, Holy Spirit, are living in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.